Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar jonesing for a little brainless fun, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and pissed off middle-aged mom who's just had schnapps, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Dead Man's Party, the second episode of season three. I would argue that you have at least five more years before you're middle-aged, but get down with your bad self. Dead Man's Party aired on October 6th, 1998, and was written by my friend and yours, Marty Knox. And directed by James Whitmore Jr. Yes, Marty Noxon is a genius and we love her. All right, everybody. The reason why we love Marty Noxon so much is not just because of what she's written, but what she will write in the future of Buffy. And we have seen it all and we're going to talk about it all. So if you have not seen all of Buffy, what you need to do is get your DVDs, have yourself a lost weekend, binge your way right through it, and then come back and listen to All is Still Pretty because it is in the full context of all of Buffy. All right. Didn't anyone ever warn you about playing with pointy sticks it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye let's go on patrol In Dead Man's Party, we get season three Buffy hair. Also, Buffy has an awkward conversation with Joyce as Joyce hangs a Nigerian death mask she stole from the gallery on her wall. Buffy then wanders around town at night looking for her friends and finds them in a dark alley patrolling. A vampire attacks, Buffy slays, they have an awkward reunion, and then they go to see Giles. What if he's mad? Mad? Just because you ran away and abandoned your post and your friends and your mom and made him lay awake every night and about you? Maybe we should wait out here. Things are not all tea and crumpets, though. Joyce tries to get Buffy back into school, but Snyder gets positively tingly at the idea of keeping her out. Then Willow stands Buffy up for their coffee date, and Buffy returns home to find Joyce's weird friend, Pat, coming out of the house. I, um, I sort of took it upon myself to look after her while you were, you know, off and away or what have you. And, well, between, uh, your situation and reading Deep End of the Ocean, she was, uh, She was just a wreck, you can imagine. Sure, Pat. Book club. Buffy goes inside and Joyce suggests having a welcome back dinner with Mr. Giles and Buffy's friends. She sends Buffy down to the basement to fetch the company plates and Buffy finds a seriously dead cat, which they then bury in the backyard. That night as they sleep, the Nigerian death mask's eyes glow and the cat comes back to, well, you know, kind of life. The next day, while Joyce is trying to figure out Buffy's school situation, she opens the door to take out the garbage, and the dead cat rushes through the door. They, of course, call in Giles. Welcome to the Hellmouth Petting Zoo. At the library, the Scoobies decide to upgrade Joyce's quiet dinner from a gathering to a hootenanny, including a band and lots of kids, without consulting Joyce, so I'm sure that'll be fine. Pat shows up with empanadas, and the band sets up, making it too loud for Buffy to talk with her friends, And everything is both noisy and awkward, a combination which always ends well. When Buffy goes to the kitchen to get a little quiet, she overhears Pat kicking the conflict vending machine until Joyce spits out this little gem. Having Buffy home, I I thought it was going to make it all better, but in some ways, it's almost worse. Buffy goes upstairs to pack her stuff and leave, and the Nigerian death mask glows, and dead people all over town rise and become zombies, all shambling toward the death mask, which is calling them back to presumably take it off the wall of the woman that stole it from the gallery that bought it from the people that stole it from Nigeria. It's like the house that Jack built of cultural appropriation, but we're not going to talk about that because Giles figures everything out and rushes off to Buffy's house to deal with it. Do you like my mask? Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. 
Sorry, Giles. Americans are awful, but you as a Brit do not get to play the colonizing art thief card. While Giles is attacked by zombies, Willow sees Buffy packing and gets upset that Buffy's running off again. Joyce steps in and confronts Buffy about it, chasing her downstairs into the middle of the party. And this, of course, is the moment the band takes a break so everyone can hear. You know what? I don't care. I don't care what your friends think of me or you for that matter because you put me through the ringer, Buffy. I mean it. And I've had schnapps. As everyone attacks Buffy, more zombies rise and attack the house, killing some nameless extras and also Pat, who becomes a zombie herself. The mask's eyes glow and Pat's eyes open. As things quiet down downstairs, Cordelia and Oz come out of the closet where they were hiding with ski poles for weapons, with which Cordelia almost spears Giles. Ah! Cordelia's beats me. How do we know it's really you and not zombie Giles? Cordelia, do stop being tiresome. That's him. Giles does some brilliant expositional dialogue, and we learn that if one of the zombies puts on the mask, they become the demon, and that's really bad. Upstairs, Pat puts on the mask and becomes the demon, and she and Buffy fight, crashing through Joyce's bedroom window to the backyard. Buffy puts the shovel through the demon's eyes, and the zombies disappear. In a rush of adrenaline, everything's fine. Everyone hugs, and all is well. The next day at school, Giles visits Snyder. Oh, sorry, no. I mean, Ripper visits Snyder. And Buffy will be alive, I can. Sorry. I'm not convinced. Would you like me to convince you? Hell yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Like one of my favorite things. So good. So good. So good. All right, so Noel LaCroix, here we are, Dead Man's Party, moving into season three. Um, what'd you think? I really like this episode. Oh, I'm discovering Mm -hmm. that I really like monsters of the week. Monster mm-hmm. of the Weeks? Monsters yeah. of the Week. Um, Monsters of the Week, like Culls de Sac. Yes. Attorneys General. Yeah, there we go. Mothers in Law. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> no, I really, I really enjoyed this episode. This is yeah. another one of those episodes that I don't think I ever revisited. So I don't have a great, or I didn't have a great memory of it uh, yeah. going in to watch it this time. But damn, there's some really good stuff in here. And it gets me in the feels in a way that becoming parts one and two didn't. Um, Wow. Yeah, but I know we'll get there. So what do you think of Dead Man's Party? Dead Man's Party is one of those. And again, like, I think that I don't particularly care for the Monsters of the Week um, episodes. I um, I remember the monster. And then I think, ugh, you know, I always remember that I love the the line from Giles. Bloody Americans. Or <laughs> do you like my mask? Do you like my mask? It the dead. <laughs> I love that from Giles. It's one of my favorite moments in all of Buffy. And so I always remember that. Um, But aside from that, like, I just remember the zombies. Like, I always remember the monster, but I don't really remember all the other stuff that happens in it. So I do like this episode. Um, I I have some problems with the way Buffy is treated in this episode and the way that everything is Buffy's fault. I mean, of course they don't know most of what happened because she doesn't tell them. And so that kind of is on Buffy. But um, but it's just like, I always get so frustrated with the way that everybody yells at Buffy. Everybody attacks Buffy. Um, even without knowing that Angel got his soul back at that last minute, she still had to kill him. 
You know, I mean, which is still hard because she loved that part of him. So whether he came back or not, which which makes it worse that he did. But knowing that she had to kill him and that her mother said, don't come back. And she got kicked out of school. Like all of these things contribute to Buffy taking off. And I feel like everybody's a little hard on Buffy. I mean, how did you respond to that? I have a lot of feelings about that scene because everyone is really hard on Buffy. Everyone really does gang up on Buffy in that moment. And everyone has a really legit argument, like from their own perspective. Willow starts this um, in the scene before where she's talking Mm -hmm. to Buffy. You know, she finds Buffy in her room and confronts her about leaving again. And Buffy says something to the effect of like, oh, I know this was really hard for you having me gone. And Willow's Mm -hmm. like, no, like not just that, but I have, you know, my life experiences that I'm dealing with. Yeah. And my best friend wasn't here for that. So it's like, it's hard because in that, in that scene in the living room, I want to be like, it's not about you, but it kind of is about everyone. Yeah. So, like, everyone has a really good point. Um, and Except I feel like Joyce. <laughs> jo- oh, my God, Joyce. I Joyce mean, we'll, pisses me off. We'll get to Joyce. We'll get yes, to Joyce. Yes, we'll get to Joyce. But uh, it's really hard because I, I really, really hate seeing everyone, you know, come for Buffy. Mm-hmm. But I also, I have a lot of empathy for how it feels to just be left and like, oh, are we, I guess we're not friends anymore because you Mm -hmm. didn't contact us. Mm -hmm. You know, like Buffy says, I thought about calling every day and Willis says, but you didn't. Yeah. So, you know, it's not really the thought that counts, you know, on the other, you know, Mm -hmm. like Buffy is having, Buffy's having this huge, huge emotional experience but so is everyone else, um, mm-hmm. not just because she disappeared, but also just in their own lives, like their lives go on. So mm-hmm. for Buffy to come back and be like, well, I'm back and not address everything that's gone on with everyone else while she was away. Yeah, it's super it's super complex. And it it just like it gets me in all of the feelings because yeah, like everyone is entitled to their own feelings and their own experience, but yeesh, like <laughs> I want to be yeah. like, now is not the time, guys. Like right. now is not the time. Well, and I the thing is, like I Buffy leaving and not telling anybody, you know, that's a problem. Uh, Joyce told her to leave. Joyce blaming Giles, and then Joyce getting mad at Buffy when Buffy did what she told her to do. Um, that I, I have absolutely no patience for. Willow, I see her point. I'm, I'm with her on it and I see why she's hurt and why it's hard for her to talk to Buffy. I think that Buffy not telling everybody everything that happened, I think is a problem. Um, honestly, the person I feel the, the worst for is Giles because Giles not only had that, you know, like, like pseudo parental relationship with Buffy, cares about her very, very deeply and obviously would be worried, you know. Um, but he also has the responsibility of the Slayer and of the Hellmouth and of all of that stuff. So she's not just his you know, daughter in that kind of, you know, parental sense, but he is, she's her, his coworker. Mm -hmm. Um, She leaves him, you know, with these kids and these kids are out there, you know, 
trying to slay and doing all that, which is awesome, you know, helping Giles out and they're all working together. And Giles is the one that I honestly like feel the worst for. And he is the one who just says, welcome home, who is kind and happy for her to be back. Um, you know, I, I absolutely love everything about Giles. And I feel, I think the worst for Giles, who is the one who displays the most love and acceptance, you know, in, in her return. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, but the joy stuff, uh, bugs me. We'll get to that when we get to it, but it just kind of pissed me off. (laughs) And then Cordy saying that angel going bad was Buffy's fault when she's doing her little riff. Oh God. Um, no, it's oh, not Buffy's fault. Cordy, and that get out makes of my me shoes. Cordy, Cordy, I know. Cordy, get out Cordy, of my shoes. Get out of my shoes. <laughs> Cordy, who usually is the one who sees what everybody else doesn't see, mm-hmm. in that case is simply like the conflict vending machine. You know, we're just kicking that conflict vending machine and trying to get, you know, I worked with a guy once many, many years ago who um, came in to work with this, uh, you know, with like his cast on his leg. His leg was broken like all the way up to the thigh. It was this whole thing. And we're all like, what the hell happened to Manny? And to come to discover his, I swear to God, his three musketeers did not come out of the vending machine. And he had a fight with the vending machine and lost. Like, that's what, ha- that's what oh, no. broke his damn leg. And so oh, every God. time we have this conflict vending machine where somebody says something that you don't really think that they would actually believe or think, um, just because we want to, like, ramp up that conflict, I always think of that guy, like, wandering around on his... And for his crutches, because he can't, yeah. And for a Three Musketeers, it's not worth it. You know? Yeah, and that's like, a shitty candy bar, too. I it. mean, for a Snickers, I'd be like, all right. <laughs> you know, like, I get it. But a Three Musketeers, no. No, that's oh not all right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So you mentioned yeah. Giles, and Giles being kind of the only one who handles things. Yeah well um yeah he has a more legit reason like probably has the most legit reason to be truly upset you know and uh and yet you know and also the one who was traveling all over the place looking for her when joyce was just sitting there blaming giles like yeah yeah that's it's it's not i don't know it's not good giles here though in full-on like scooby dad mode oh yeah is so wonderful starting with shutting xander down when xander is yeah. trying to you know xander's trying to like guard against all the vulnerability of this situation you know by yeah. making a joke about giles you know becoming a looker or a seer and giles just says thank you xander like in yeah. this fantastic like that is enough that's total, enough exactly total you know like composure and then oh my god oh my god when the tea kettle whistles and he goes to the kitchen <gasps> oh my god that moment kills me every time because as a parent like there there are these moments where you're doing something else right and you just listen to your kids in the other room and for me with my daughters it was always they delight each other in ways that is just adorable. And so I'd be like doing the dishes or whatever. And I would hear them laughing and giggling and just hooting with enjoyment of each other. And it would always like just fill my heart and my soul whenever that moment happened, because they didn't know I was listening. You know, they I was out of the room and, you know, out of sight, out of mind with mm-hmm. parents, you know, yeah. and, um, and it's always so wonderful and so genuine. And so I, I 
so connected with that moment with Giles, but also like for Giles, like that amount of emotional expression is huge. That's like everybody else is falling down on the floor weeping, you know, and yeah. his welcome home, Buffy. Oh, my God. That little smile and that welcome home. And mm-hmm. all of that is like, you know, for everybody else, that's like the the crying and throwing yourself into their arms. And I'm so glad you're back. like all this. But he does. He has this just reserved emotional space that is extremely genuine mm-hmm. and extremely expressive. And yet so low key you know and i i love that with him it kills me every single time and i love that the audience gets to go with him to the kitchen and watch him pull himself together and just reckon with the he goes okay he clearly in that moment is going through the whole emotional process that we see joyce very loudly go through yeah Mm -hmm. later right but it's this lovely, quiet, private moment. The The kids are all talking in the other mm-hmm. room. And yes. he's just like, he just takes this moment to sort of gather himself. And it is so moving and so mm-hmm. gut-wrenching because yeah. he's not going to show them his emotional part of this. And that's mm-hmm. something, that's something that, that... I struggle with as a parent is you want, you want your children to know that, you know, you're human and you have feelings and you deal with them. But sometimes, sometimes, in fact, oftentimes it's not about you with Mm -hmm. them. Like it is not their job to help you with your feelings. It's your job to care for them and protect them and help them navigate their own emotional space. So if you need to, you know, you you also need to parent yourself. And we see yes. Giles doing that. Um, and I think that's something that in this episode, at least Giles gets right. And Joyce, not so much. Joyce oh really God. wants Buffy to do that work for her. Um, yeah. And it's, ugh, it's icky. But I, I'm, before we get to Joyce, I just need, <laughs> like... We just have, because we're talking about Giles, like this, this, everything Giles in this episode is so delightful. So, you know, him gathering himself in the kitchen just like gets me in all Mm -hmm. of the places. It's so moving and so beautiful. And then he serves tea and cookies to everyone and they have this like beautiful moment of communion, you know, the communion of tea and cookies. And it's just the best. It's just the best. And then Giles is. is advocating for Buffy. You know, maybe she doesn't mm-hmm. want to tell us about everything that happened right. to her over the Give last Give her a little months. time. Yeah. Give her a little space. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love, I do love Xander trying, though. Did you go yeah. to Belgium? Why would I go to Belgium? <laughs> <laughs> like, Why not? Trying. Yeah, I know. I love he's that. trying. And it's, it's kind very of sweet. sweet. Um, it is. But. Oh, man. And then Giles's look of sort of approval at the idea mm-hmm. of Joyce making an appointment with Snyder to get Buffy back into school. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it feels to me like a Giles thinking, OK, like she does have this parent on her side kind yeah. of relief moment for him. But then, of course. But he'll step in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But then, of course, when Snyder is just the absolute worst, because yes. we are we're going to dial up the ickiness on Snyder. We are. Season. We're going 
uh, we're dialing to 11 with gross snyder oh and God. i kind of i'm here for it oh, like yeah. i love i love how awful he is armin shimmerman i think does such a fantastic job in that role he's so slimy and he's very like you know there is like a lizard reptile sort of feel to him which i think is really fun considering where we end up at the end of the season where he gets of course eaten by the mayor giant snake mm-hmm. um you know, which is always yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> the evil overlord list says, don't turn into a giant snake. It never ends well. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so it's 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 really fun kind of seeing Snyder go into that completely slimy space. And then, of course, when Giles knocks, <laughs> would you like me to convince you? Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. I mean, I love I love Dad Giles I just know. so much, but Bad Giles. Mm-hmm. Giles hot wiring his own car. I and, know, and then saying like riding a bloody bicycle as he's being attacked <laughs> by zombies is so great. <laughs> Oh, I love when Ripper comes out to play. So That's like great. my favorite thing. That- yeah, no, Giles' misspent youth is one of my favorite parts <laughs> of his character. And that grin when he pushes Snyder yes. up against the filing cabinet, like, uh, oh, please, please make me convince please you. Please let me. Please, yes. please, please oh, give me the opportunity exactly. to, to do what I'd like to do here. Exactly. No, it is, it is so nice. I absolutely, I love him taking that role. I love him enjoying, you know, slamming Snyder up against the, the cabinets. It's all good. It's all really, really good. It really is. It really, it really, really is. Good. And something else that's good. And and just fun in so many ways is uh, is Pat, <laughs> oh. Pat from quote unquote book club. Uh huh. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. A likely story, Pat. Yes, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's clearly you know like a, a sexual vibe going on between Joyce and Pat. I mean, I, I you know I know this is something that uh, over on Buffering the Vampire Slayer they picked up really hard you know right in the beginning um but i think that that's i think that it's in the text there i think that we have some of that there that that looks like you know pat was comforting joyce in a lot of ways yeah well i mean and even even if nothing happened between them pat has a Mm -hmm. big old crush on joyce like that sure that part feels very textual to me yes um Mm -hmm. the way that she is just so like overly sweet to Mm -hmm. both Buffy and to Joyce. I mean, but really let's face it. Pat is here. She's queer and she's brought empanadas. (laughs) Like she is ready to process the house down. Yeah. I mean, in full on like late nineties lesbian mode. And she is and. All of those meaningful looks that she shoots Joyce over some schnapps. I mean, yeah. there's, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty textual as far as I'm concerned. Um, I and I say great. I say go for it. Yeah, like, you know what? I, I I'm all for. I I'm mad at Joyce for a million different things, but not for getting her groove on wherever her groove may be. You know, <laughs> I mean, if Pat's your style, then go for it, man. But unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. we go the way of Igon, the demon Igon in the body of Jenny Calendar, mm-hmm. where we've got this male, masculine yeah. demon. I mean, Giles uses male pronouns to refer to the demon Mobani. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. once again, we have this deep voice coming out of this very feminine presenting body. And that is part of where we get our our creep factor. It's yeah. not... I don't know. There's there is always something that rubs me the wrong way about that. Just the casual transphobia of it, the mm-hmm. ease with which we just yeah, we'll just, you know, throw this kind of queer vibe onto something and then make it evil or the other way mm-hmm. around that we will say that something is evil and then make it queer. Um right. You know, down to like the just the simple bit of blocking that has, you know, demon possessed Pat throwing Joyce down on the bed. It's mm-hmm. to get her out of the way. But it's right. still like it's it's one of those things where it's like, really, guys, like it's there. And it's mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love yeah. it. And I think it's unfortunate. I mean, Pat. Pat is icky in the sense that like she's way way involved with she's inserting herself into this space yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and she she has a level of familiarity with buffy like right out of the gate that does not feel good it feels very performative as in yeah i know about i know what your absence did to your mother and let me tell you young lady you know it's this very like I don't know. I don't. Yeah. It's it's the I have I have information about your life and I'm going to lord mm-hmm. it over you, but in this really sweet way. Yeah, it's not a million miles away from Ted. Like no. man or woman, Joyce's taste. Oh, Joyce. Come it's on, not Joyce. Great. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. You know, I mean, I understand like she, you know, any port in a storm, like she was having a really hard time. <laughs> she needed a little comfort and Pat was there with the schnapps. Like, I get it, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I realized that, you know, me being in glass houses about taste and, <laughs> and romantic partners is probably <laughs> not great. But I mean, like, it's 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 not great. And the way that that Pat um, that Pat really inserted herself into that space, the way that she laid that whole guilt trip on Buffy. Well, you can understand. Yeah. It was just, you know, so hard. So on hard mother. on her. Like, yeah. None of that is any of Pat's business. I don't care how many empanadas she brings. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, like, and, yeah. And I, I talked about this a little bit um, already, but it's not really Buffy's business either, at least not at mm-hmm. this point. The, mm-hmm. the, you know, what the effect, the emotional fallout from her actions. I mean, mm-hmm. it's her responsibility, but because she's not, I mean, she didn't wake up in the morning and decide to torture her mother. You know, also she... Joyce threw her out. Are we not forgetting yeah, like, Joyce that said... Joyce told her 17 year old daughter not to come back? Don't even think about like, coming back. Yeah. No. And I'm sorry, but like that is on Joyce. You totally. know, I mean, the fact that Buffy left is not really on Buffy. Joyce told her to leave and nobody is holding Joyce accountable for that. Least of all, Joyce. You know, when Buffy throws that at her later, you know, in the big argument, she's like, well, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. Well, neither is Buffy either. You're not cutting her any slack for that. You know, I mean, you have no idea what Buffy's been through. And to to it's one thing to like say it. 
not mean it, have your kid take it seriously and be like, oh my God, wow, did I fuck that up, right? Had Joyce taken even the slightest bit of responsibility for having said that to her daughter, Mm-hmm. Um, then I think I would be feeling a lot more, you know, a lot softer toward Joyce at this point. But I'm just not, you know, I mean, I like was mad at Joyce and becoming I remain mad at her now. She's not <laughs> taking any responsibility for anything. Um, she does this whole thing. Well, I guess I got just got used to all the quiet when you were gone with this passive aggressive oh, guilt yeah. trip, you know, yeah. with Buffy. Um, and I just that she's not taking any responsibility for any of it makes me insane and nobody's holding her accountable and she blames Giles like all of it I'm not I'm not here for Joyce at this point <laughs> I I was really hard on Joyce in becoming for kicking Buffy yeah. out and I still stand by that um but I think we get maybe just a little bit of better from Joyce here not a lot yeah. not a yeah. lot better but definitely more nuanced um yeah You know, Buffy does ask Joyce to take in a lot all at once. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that that, you know, acknowledging that is good and fair. And Joyce does talk about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I want to say that Dead Man's Party does a better job than becoming at showing all of the varying and sort of conflicting and conflicted (laughs) feelings that are going on here. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Joyce trying to be supportive and saying, you know, why don't we tell, you know, can't we tell Principal Snyder? Can't we tell somebody, you know, that you're a superhero? And then she Mm -hmm. says, is that the right term? It's not offensive, is it? I mean, Joyce is, she's really trying to wrap her head around this whole thing that is like complete news to her. And, I've criticized the clunkiness of the coming out allegory. Yeah. And, right. Mm-hmm. But I think here it's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. We do get a sense that Joyce has had to attempt to integrate not just this new knowledge about who her child is, but also this new vocabulary. And there's this whole right. new world and reality that she mm-hmm. did not know about. So. We get a little bit of it. I mean, Joyce is trying. It's a lot to mm-hmm. take in all at once. But she told Buffy not to come back and then yeah. is hurt, you know, and then is hurt when Buffy leaves, but but blames that on Buffy. That yeah. like, well, what, was I not supposed to take you seriously, mom, when you said, well, no. you know, don't come back? As a like, parent, yeah. as a parent, when you say something to your kids, I mean, the default is listen to me and take me seriously. Yes. And then when you say, and the thing is, as a parent, like you have a lot of power over your children. You have the power to kick them out of your house. Like their entire life is dependent on you. So if you tell your kid not to come back, you'd better mean it. Yeah. Um, that's not the kind of thing that you throw out there lightly. Um, and so, I mean, I like I get Joyce saying that in the moment, right? I get Joyce having these conflicted feelings. I get Joyce being in a bad place. 
where I have the real problem. And I think the Dead Men's Party absolutely does do a much, much better job of handling all of that. Um, and I, you know, and I like that she's trying to figure out the right terms and trying to figure out a way to understand this and to process it. Like all of that, I have sympathy for Joyce. Where I don't have sympathy is where she takes absolutely no responsibility for what happened, where she blames it on Giles in, in Anne last yeah. week's episode and then comes in and starts yelling at Buffy well, I'm about not all perfect. of this stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm not yeah. perfect. Yeah. I was like, yeah, which is fine because she's not perfect and she didn't handle it well and acknowledging that she didn't handle it well is fine. But putting all of that blame on Buffy and taking almost no responsibility aside from this very sarcastic, very passive aggressive, oh, well, I'm sorry, excuse me. Yeah. for not being like you know perfect mom no no you have to take responsibility for the fact that you told your daughter not to come home that needs to be part of what joyce wrestles with she needs to reckon with that and she does not and so because of that everything else she does i give her very little credit for because I, that's the first thing that's the number one thing i know i told you not to come back and i'm so sorry and i didn't mean it you know yeah. like that's what i need from her I need her to say, I said this terrible thing and you left because I said this terrible thing. And I don't even know, like, you know, where your daughter has been for three months, what she might have experienced out there on her own, unprotected, unsafe, like the things that might have happened to her. That would be like the first thing on my mind as a mother, Mm -hmm. you know, like and and Buffy not talking and not sharing, you know, I mean, that is on Buffy, especially when it comes to Willow, like I have a lot more sympathy for Willow in this. Um, But overall, like Joyce, I just she's not taking responsibility for her part in it. Buffy left because she told her to. Yeah. And so she has apologies to give not just to Buffy but to Giles to Willow to Xander Mm -hmm. you know who also don't know that that happened like Giles and Willow and Xander they don't know that Buffy or that Joyce said don't come back yeah like as soon as they find that out I would think that would reframe a lot of this anger that they have toward Buffy Mm -hmm. and it doesn't we just gloss over it and it's all Buffy's fault yeah yeah you know and meanwhile Joyce is also like stealing art from the art gallery yeah. the art gallery got this thing and i thought i'd just you put know, it up in nail it to the wall house. in my bedroom right what? like that doesn't seem that doesn't seem right you know and i mean now we here at chipperish media understand that in this day and age sometimes you have to steal things from the office in order to make ends meet you know be it paper clips or a nigerian death mask you know we're not judging <laughs> Okay, well, we're judging the death mask a little. But the bottom line is the last thing you need is for us to be shilling mattresses and watches and razors and meal services, which is why we here at Chipperish Media are ad-free. But the only way to remain ad-free is through the support of our patrons. For as little as $3 a month, which is basically one cup of coffee or, you know, one knockoff Nigerian death mask, you can make all Chipperish Media podcasts free for everyone else who doesn't have the extra money to throw around. And you get access to the Discord chat with all the other patrons and exclusive chipperish content like two host minimum where the chipperish hosts mix and match to engage with the movies and books you want to hear us talk about go to patreon.com slash chipperish to find out how you can save the day keep chipperish media content free for everyone and also ad free and keep us in the business of making the podcast that you love all right. So um, let's talk a little bit about Willow. We've mentioned a little bit like how much we, we can sympathize of with Willow. I love. Oh, things I Willow. love. Willow. Willow. So we all know at this point in 
the run of Still Pretty, that when Willow cries, Noelle wants to cry. Right. But this is the episode that got me. I know. Becoming Part 2 does not hit me in the, like, waterworks feels here. Oh, God. It destroys me and always has. All right. (laughs) I just roll my eyes and go, oh, heterosexuals. But... (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Um... (laughs) But... (laughs) Everyone here, everyone letting their feelings explode all over each other totally gets me. And Willow hits the hardest. I mean, Willow confronting Mm -hmm. Buffy in her room about leaving again, also known as giving up, which, oh, wow, that is harsh, Mm -hmm. but also feels very real. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything that Willow says feels very it comes across as very genuine and it's so so painful um yeah and i mentioned this a little bit earlier you know buffy acknowledges that that her buffy's actions were hurtful Mm -hmm. to willow and willow says i don't just mean that i mean my life it's not just about you and me it's about everything around us and everything that Mm -hmm. i'm going through and i love that she can't even she says, I'm dating. And I think it's the yeah. first time she's said that phrase. And you mm-hmm. see it sort of hit her. And then she repeats it. And she says, I'm having serious dating. Like, right? it just it's it's <laughs> like the weight of it finally occurs to her because she said it yeah. out loud to Buffy and everything that mm-hmm. that means. And yeah. I just it guts me. And Buffy, you know, rightfully says, well, you wouldn't, you know, I didn't talk to you because you wouldn't understand. And Willow, in one of the wisest Willow moments we get, says, Mm -hmm. maybe I don't need to understand. Maybe I just need you to talk to me. And yeah. Oh, God. I oh, Willow. Well, and that's the thing is that we look at it as, you know, the Slayer's gone. Like, what are we going to do without the Slayer? And that's what Buffy is seeing at her value as being, right? Yeah. But I think the reason why this episode, this moment always gets me in this episode, and I absolutely love it, and I cry every time. And I think part of that is because Buffy is seeing her absence as the Slayer, that responsibility, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's not seeing that Willow lost her best friend, yeah. you know? And that is a huge loss to grieve and this is grief you know it is real grief she didn't know that Buffy was ever going to come back she didn't know she was ever going to see her best friend again and so when we bring it all of a sudden we we swap focus you know we rack focus from the slayer and all this big responsibility to my best friend was gone and I needed her you know and and that grief and dealing with that has been really hard and Buffy's not talking you know, Buffy is just completely shut down. And I mean, Giles makes a good point earlier where he's like, well, let's give her a little time, right. you know, but Willow is like, look, I lost my best friend. I need my best friend and I didn't have her. And that was really hard for me. It wasn't about taking over the Slayer duties or the Slayer being gone. It was about Buffy being gone. And that being a moment for Buffy too to realize that her value is on a lot of different levels. It's not just as her responsibility as the Slayer, which takes over so much of her consciousness most of the time, and understandably so. Mm-hmm. She's this she's this very young girl with this huge responsibility. I mean, the weight of the world on her all the time, you know? 
to forget that she is not just the slayer, but also a best friend, a daughter, not just to Joyce, but to Giles, you know, Um, and all of those things put together. I mean, that put it into a different context, a much more personal and meaningful context. Um, And I really love that. And at the end, though, the way that they resolve it by trading these insults with each other (laughs) is so sweet. I I love love that. that. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. I love that so, so much. Um, Yeah. Willow, I mean, Willow just is so, so delightful and trying so hard. And her... um, her my sweetheart is in the band face yeah continues oh, to be God. fantastic the way she watches oz play at the party I, just, I mean it just lights up my heart i mm-hmm. love it so much i mean of course we all know that i am here for all things oz I love yes. oh god I love Oz and we get some great Oz He's the best I mean mm-hmm. we get some really good Oz I love Oz loving the undead cat like I know he's like <laughs> it's interesting yeah <laughs> I like it <laughs> like he just like <laughs> he's so chill about everything nobody is ever more zen than Oz yeah he can like whatever comes up. Like when he becomes a, a werewolf, he's just like, yeah, okay. So I'm a werewolf. I guess that's I guess that's what's happening yeah. now. <laughs> like, do we yeah. ever see? Now I don't remember. Do we ever see Oz get really ruffled by anything? I think toward you know season four when you know when he has when he cheats on Willow and there's all that stuff. We see him and when he comes back, right? You know, yeah. we see him actually be, um, you know, have this emotional thing going on where but he's also still so subdued about it and most of it is conveyed through um through seth green's performance you know yeah um but yeah he gets he gets ruffled sometimes you know but not often and it's amazing how much he can hold on to his zen through everything you know, and he's always so cool. I love his whole gathering shindig hoot nanny oh thing. Like that's one of my favorite. <laughs> and that is probably one Chuck of the most enduring. Hoot, just a little bit of nanny. Yeah. yeah, one of the most enduring quotes from the series as a whole. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. Hoot nanny. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of hoot. Yeah. Just a little bit of nanny. A little bit of nanny. <laughs> what? What? I so also it's, it's enjoy really the nice. fact that mm-hmm. that a gathering is Brie. Like he's got, I'm like, yes. okay, cool. Like there's a cheese <laughs> mellow song styling. Yeah. Right. Mellow song, less mellow song styling. Yeah, I, right. Oz has clearly maybe he's so zen because he's thought everything through so clearly. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah, everything is. He defines his terms. Everything is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is very clear <laughs> to us. But like, he does. even at the end when he's he, Giles sends him out to tell Buffy. To yeah. you know, go for the eyes. He gets right. blasted with whatever you know, old fashioned whatever the flash weird, bulb yeah. that is. I the, guess the demon does. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever. We needed something. Okay, we needed. Yes. we needed mm-hmm. the demon to do something. It's fine. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. And you know the the demon dissolves or or um, you know disappears, and and he just goes. Never mind. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Never mind. It's fine. Just, yeah. Uh-huh. You just watch. No, you got it. Yeah. Just yeah. watch this thing disintegrate and oh, it's fine. Yeah. I no, love he, it. I, I, I have no idea where he gets his, his like Zen from, but I want it. I want that kind of Zen in my life. 
you know, like just like nothing rattles him. Yeah. And it's so great. Like no matter what happens, he's like, all right, this is what it is. He's very good at accepting whatever the reality is. It's like, okay, I'm a werewolf. Fine. Okay. Did everyone see that guy turn to dust? Right. (laughs) Okay. Vampires are a thing. No, I get it. Explains a lot. Like his whole thing. He's so cool about everything. And, um, and it's one of my favorite things about Oz. You know, he is like the kind of like the ideal representation of not just masculinity, which I think he, he has a lot of that. Um, but just humanity. Like we're all, we all spend so much time in our lives. Like, especially now we're all stressed out. We're all freaked out. We're all worried about everything everything has to be perfect all the time and just like to pull in a little of that oz you know um style of zen Mm -hmm. you know like that 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 oz branding right (laughs) i mean i just want to i want to live my life as oz that's like my my absolute you know i don't make resolutions but 2019 i want to be oz so i just want to pull in that oz energy so three days out of the month you're going to be a complete monster is what you're saying yes no i would like that too i would like those three days just l- and then I would like to forgive myself for those three days and let it go. License and just be like how it is. Things. How it is. Lock me up in a library three nights a week. Hell yes. I will. Oh man. Okay. I'll get right on that. We'll make you a library cage. We'll find you a cute British librarian with a bad yes. boy pass. No, definitely find me. Definitely find me a British librarian with a bad boy pass. I don't know what it is. Like, cause I am not. I've never been like the bad boy kind of girl. But between. <laughs> Between Giles over here, you know, Giles when Ripper comes out mm-hmm. and Dark Wesley over on Still Dead, I got to tell you, I am loving it. <laughs> There's something about the British bad boy, the dark British bad boy that just gets me where I live, man. Oh, I love it. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I so love what you thing. love. I know. One more thing I wanted to bring in was, um, of course, in the opening, we have Xander as bait, right? Where last week we had Xander who was saying we should use Cordelia as bait. I love the fact that Xander is the bait. I think that that's great. And I'm headcanoning that that was Cordelia's idea. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So what's good for the goose, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, Also, we have our first sighting of the espresso pump. The coffee yes. place where uh, where Buffy and Willow hang out now. And that's going to be like a bigger, you know, um, presence in coming seasons, more necessarily than season three. But this is our first sighting of it, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, and uh, here's a question, though, that I have for you. I know we don't have research mode here the way that we do it over on Still Dead, because that's a, a Kelly Jones jam. And she's so good <laughs> at that. Um, but I did have a question, right? Sure. Okay. So purely from Buffy's experience, purely from Buffy's perspective, uh, Angel's soul came back. Yes. She saw his soul return. Yes. At that moment, knowing that Willow was working on that and that that was Willow's thing. So right now, she has to know, right, that Xander said, Willow said, kick his ass, which is not true. Yes. Knowing that it wasn't true. She's got to know that it wasn't true. And knowing that Xander knew it wasn't true. How does that not come up for five more years? How do we not have this discussion where Buffy turns to Xander and says, what the fuck, Xander? How does that not? Well, yeah. And she knows she has to know. How does she think Angel's soul came back the last minute? And how does it not? How does it not come up with Willow? Like, how do Willow and Buffy, you know, now that they're friends again, Right. How do they, how do they not have that discussion? Well, how do they not process this? Because of course, yeah. you know, Buffy 
if Buffy opens up to Willow about what she was feeling and what she was going through and what she had to do in that moment, it's gonna come up that Angel got his soul back. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can't, there's not a way to tell that story and not say, and then, you know, there was this flash in his eyes and he had no memory of what had happened. And And his soul was back and he was angel and and I killed him. Like what? Nobody knows that for five years. Willow doesn't ask about it. Willow just assumes that her spell fizzled, which of course, you know, granted she was new to it and she wasn't sure what happened and she didn't know. And I guess Willow presumes since Buffy never said anything that, you know, cause you would kind of think if Angel's soul came back, that had come up in conversation eventually. But don't the Scoobies mention that the, the orb, doesn't Cordelia say something about the orb glowing? Yeah. Like, Maybe because know. because at the end of Becoming Part 2, they're speculating about where Buffy is. And Willow says maybe the spell worked and she and Angel want to be alone together. Right. So, yeah, you know, and Cordelia addresses. See, now I got to go back and watch it. <laughs> I got to go back and watch <laughs> it again, because it's like, how is it that they I mean, they know that something happened, at least the the, you know, the group participating in casting the spell yeah they know that something changed and willow i mean we see what it does to willow it changes Mm -hmm. her and she talks a little bit at the end of dead man's party about you know contacting the spirit world and it feels like being ripped apart inside and yeah how scary Mm -hmm. you know all of that was so I don't know. I don't. Mm-mm. I don't buy it. Like I. I don't yeah. buy. I. Do, I don't buy that it wouldn't come up between Buffy and Willow at some point, in some way. Whether they were talking about processing mm-hmm. feelings about Angel or losing someone you love, or um, mm-hmm. you know, just working working magic and what it feels like to be that you know to to be working with that kind of power i mean i have so many follow-up questions (laughs) oh yeah and at the at the point later in this season when angel comes back in sold you know from 100 years in a hell dimension right um i think some questions would come up then but like it doesn't and it's just it's so bizarre to me that we don't get any resolution on that for five years. And then when we do, it's like a three second thing right before Buffy goes out to kill Anya and selfless, you know? So, um, uh, yeah, no, that yeah. whole thing is bizarre for me. I don't get it. I don't understand why that never came up and why we're not having this discussion and why Xander isn't having any consequence for that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I, uh, and Xander I is so like grouchy. In this episode, mm-hmm. he's so, I mean, yeah. our little moment of, you know, we we only get a few moments of Xander. Um, yeah. But Xander's a little bit all over the place in this episode. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, and the weird scene, too, where, like, he and Cordelia are at the party, just out there in the middle of, and Buffy comes over to talk to them. And Cordelia's just, like, you know, kissing his neck. And they're just, you know, basically having stand-up sex while, you know, Buffy is standing right there. And it's like, you know, you could stop for a minute yeah i mean i get that cordelia was turned on by xander as nighthawk and all of that but you know <laughs> and their it whole was, it was yeah. weird yeah their whole it was reunion weird. yeah la- is it yeah it was last time in Anne when they make the the vampire sandwich on 
Xander mm-hmm. and Cordy Brad. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. of course, you know, <laughs> they get that fantastic swell of music and everything is all right between them. But mm-hmm. very, very odd. Very odd. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing. The whole thing is really weird. It's odd. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to be coming back to that conversation quite a bit. But for now, Noel, what are you wearing? <laughs> Speaking of the whole boy slayer look. Um, yes. I Okay. All right. I love Xander's enormous cross necklace. Oh, yeah. That he <laughs> might have made himself. Definitely. When he took wood shop during summer school. Like, what? I guess. Where did he find this thing? It's so hilarious and then we get that nice long pan across the scoobies on the ground in the alley Mm -hmm. so we can see all the various ways in which they're tricked out with stakes and it is i know delightful i love love them with stakes strapped to every part of their body it's so good it's gotta be prepared funny um yeah and okay i know this is a dream sequence Yes. Buffy's backless light blue sweater. What yeah. the actual fuck is that? <laughs> it looks like a ballet wrap sweater worn backwards. And I get that okay. like, and I get All that right. this yeah. is a dream. Okay? So like maybe yes. maybe it's one of those things where you know, when you know when you've told someone about a weird dream you had and you're like, okay, all right, so we were at my <laughs> elementary school, but it was on a tennis court at night. And like it made sense in the dream. In the dream. Maybe sure, this yeah. sweater made sense in the dream. But were they trying to make fetch happen with a backwards ballet <laughs> rap sweater? Like or maybe this was know. a trend that I missed out on because I wasn't cool or fashionable in 1998, but it was so distracting. I completely lost the whole, like, what is the point of that whole dream sequence? Oh, my sequence God, that's so funny. Other than this bizarre sweater situation. I mean... Uh, I guess it's just so we can have Angel in the episode. I guess. You know, because we've got to use dream sequences until he comes back. Right, but... right. Yeah, I keep being distracted by the fact that David Boreanaz is in the credits. I'm like, but yes. he's dead in a hell dimension. But <laughs> he's in the hell dimension. What's yeah. going to happen, Lonnie? <laughs> <laughs> well, plus, I thought that Akathla was supposed to suck. I mean, I guess we'll talk about this more. This will be the research question when we get there. You know, Akathla was supposed to suck the demons into this hell dimension, but it was supposed to be a party for the demons. Oh, I guess because he got his soul yeah, back. So that's why so he's, he's being like, That makes sense. So, but wait a minute. Right? So shouldn't he so be like partying half the time me. and then in torment? the other half of the time how does that work i really don't know i don't know i really don't don't know know. i don't know um yeah but nothing i mean nothing super meaningful in the clothing but some really interesting clothing choices and of course willow continues to look just delightful adorable just delightful such a fan always she's so cute yeah She's so cute. I like her. I like her new hair, her new little, you know, shoulder length yes. hair. Yes, and everybody like got it. it wasn't just Buffy who got a Everybody dye gets job. new everybody hair in hair the new dye. season. Everybody got that. Giles' hair is a little more curly. It's allowed to kind of like <laughs> hang out a little bit more. It's a little more rough and tumble the way that I like it. 
give a girl something to hold on to. I think it's very cool. Um, you know, Xander's got the whole, you know, pomade thing going on. He's got the slicked, you know, uh, greasy hair look. And of course, Oz is his nice little strawberry blonde thing going on. So cute. Uh, so it's, I, I like the new hair. I don't know. It's, hair, for some reason, is a thing with me. And I don't know why, because I'm not really that into hair. But like, I have this thing with my students. If I have students who have similar hair, it takes me forever to tell the difference between them. <laughs> You know, oh, no. I had I had three girls with long, straight, like dark hair in one semester and literally got them mixed up all oh, the time. No. And it was a big mess. So, yeah, I don't know. I got a thing with hair. I like I like the new hair. Um, so this week for Arg the Patriarchy, we actually have Arg the Colonizers. We got to talk about this Nigerian death mask. We've mentioned it a little bit. Uh, but the Nigerian death mask being purchased by the gallery from people who likely stole it from the Nigerian people. It's a little sketchy. Joy stealing it then from the gallery and putting it up in her bedroom is also super sketchy. Uh, touching it without gloves. Like, this yeah. is an artifact. Wait a second. Like, let's, you yeah. know, <laughs> let's just put it on a rusty nail in the wall and cover up the hole she put in. Like, it's just, it's weird. I could understand if she bought it from, like, the gallery store and it was supposed to be a replica and ended up accidentally being the real thing. Okay, fine. You know, but right. she actually said this is a shipment that the gallery got in. And I thought I'd just steal this I thought piece it would just and take put it, it on my home? wall. That seems I thought really I would just take home. unethical. Like just from a which to me an employment I know, but it reflects the way I mean, that <laughs> yeah it's a, so many levels it's wrong but it like reflects this very casual attitude that white people and colonizers have traditionally had toward art from the places they were colonizing um, so the bottom line is I just want to say you know on behalf of Chipperish Media and I think pretty much we would all agree with this uh, Africa's art should be returned to Africa as should all plundered artifacts from all countries you know um, it is possible some artifacts are legitimately loaned out for exhibitions and that is definitely okay we should all be sharing culture and looking at it but it should belong to the people who made it and we treat these artifacts and cultures very casually in Buffy if we ever talk about Africa it's with demonic associations we got it with the Maasai and the hyena thing in season Mm -hmm. one Um, you know when we get to season seven and we talk about the origin of the first slayer you know yeah I think it's season five and season seven we start doing that of course that's that's African you know Um, and we have this like you know putting demons into girls so this this very lovely bit of uh, horrendous patriarchy which, of course, we will address in detail as we get there. Um, but in a show with so few positively associated, like, diverse characters, it is really important to recognize these things when they come up. So I just wanted to say that is the official stance of Chippewa. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's such a bummer when yeah. Yeah. we, you know, in Buffy or really anywhere when it's like oh we need to make something scary and exotic yeah. so it comes from africa or it comes from deepest from... darkest africa yeah, it, it's you like know? oh yeah. god no please no that's not it's <sighs> it's not good and it's you know and like this is the way like we as as white european culture you know the the white european culture of of western culture um that's the way we kind of look at artifacts we look at africa we look at any any place that basically isn't european and white you know as this exotic space from which the demons come yeah you know? um and i think it's something that we need to just take a real like a side eye to like i understand it's 
the way stories were being told back then, but taking the side eye means we can kind of take that out so that we can enjoy the rest of it. And so that is what we're doing right now. Yes. Uh, artifacts should go back to the, the people and cultures that made them and should be loaned and borrowed and used with respect and dealt with with respect and not stolen to put on some white lady's wall in her bedroom. Right. I just, I don't know. That's a, I yeah. realize that's a very controversial. No, I, don't, I mean, I, well, well, it shouldn't be a controversial. Should, like, I don't feel like it should yeah. be controversial. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And of course, you know, white supremacy and the patriarchy mm-hmm. are best friends. Yep. And, best <laughs> you know, one feeds into the other in this lovely, mm-hmm. like, snake swallowing its own tail kind of situation yes. so this ouroboros of bad yes <laughs> all right so moving on uh tell me noelle what is your girl power moment of the week well we get lots of big feelings we get lots of mm-hmm. confronting our you know the the truths about our our identities and our best friend situations but my favorite girl power moment is Cordelia in the storage closet with the ski poles. She just, I know. she is all business and she grabs those <laughs> ski poles, hands went to Oz, and then how do we know it's really you and not zombie Giles? I just love that so much. Cordy, <laughs> Cordy is quick. She is quick and she is just a joy forever. And then of course, Giles says, Cordelia, do stop being tiresome. <laughs> Is it tiresome? Yes, it, like, it, yes tiresome. tiresome. And she goes, okay, it's him. <laughs> and I uh-huh. just love it. I love it. I love Cordy just being, you know, she has has um, become a Scooby and she is all in. She's yes. not a fan of the mm-hmm. outfits necessarily. She doesn't like all of the, mm-hmm. you know, the, she doesn't like the Rambo look. But yeah, she's here and it's wonderful. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. I love Cordelia being part of the team and kicking ass. Yes. No, I think it's fantastic. (laughs) And Cordy, well, I had my issues with the way that she put the blame on Buffy and she became something of a, you know, of a conflict vending machine as well. I think that's a nice recovery from that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, Noelle, what's your favorite part? I love the unfolding of the Buffy Willow love story. Um, the I Buffy know. Willow love story is probably my favorite part of the show as a whole. Yeah. But mm-hmm. everything that we get in this episode, I just, I love them struggling to find that friendship again. Mm-hmm. Down yeah. to trading insults at the end, which is something that I do with my best, best loves. So it's just, <laughs> that is just delightful <laughs> to me. <laughs> no, I absolutely love that. What's your favorite part, Lonnie? Oh, just Giles. Everything Giles Ripper. Give me Giles. give me a British man about to go dark. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Good show, Giles. Good show. <laughs> Giles being so surly about the cat. About I know. <laughs> it's not my cat. <laughs> I love all of it. Love and of course Cordelia. Do you like saying- my mask? Isn't it pretty? <laughs> Cordelia saying, don't you like anything regular? (laughs) Yes. Which I just love. Everything. Oh, God. And Giles and Giles with the moment, taking a moment at, you know, making the tea for everybody in his kitchen. I absolutely love it. Everything down to his weird, you know, hot water heater that's just like in the kitchen. That is so weird. That is so, I mean, I guess his his apartment is beautiful otherwise. So I guess there's got to be something. 
that makes it affordable. I guess, but it's so weird because for for set designers, everything is deliberate. Right. So like the deliberate putting of the hot water heater in the kitchen. I just, I, I love it. I love everything, Giles. I don't care what it is. Hot water heater, everything. <laughs> Crappy car, everything. <laughs> His car. Oh my God, Giles' his car. I know. <sighs> All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Dine Rich and Noel at Noel Allowed and use the hashtag still pretty. You can also visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum, and join in the fun. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons whose vampire patrol names are cooler than Nighthawk. Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash Chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by turning Cordelia on with that whole boy slayer look. We will be back next time with Faith, Hope, and Trick, the third episode of season three. Until then, I'll stop giving you a hard time. Runaway. Whiner. Baylor. Harpy. Delinquent. Tramp. Bad Seed. Witch. Freak. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha,